This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. How's it going, Hammond? It's going good. Kind of stumbled out of the blocks there with our intro. It's a long weekend. <laughs> I'm going to get one thing out of the way now. Here's my happy thing for the week. Okay, we're I supposed know. to do it at the end. You no, missed I'm the point say of the now. happy thing. It's all good. The book that I've been talking about forever oh, yeah. and have spent like a year and a half working on, it's called Queer Disbelief. Uh, Camille Berejik is the writer. But if you go on Amazon and type in Queer Disbelief, it's now available. Yay. You can get it in your hands. I will one day have them in my hands. Are you Prime eligible? Uh, yes, I think. Are you? I, it should be. I don't know how that works. It should be Prime eligible. Queer Disbelief. Yeah, yeah, get a copy. Get a copy now. I don't get a fucking free copy? Are you talking to me or are you I talking don't to get people? A co- oh. I don't get a free copy. Yeah, it's Prime eligible. Yeah, it is. Nice. Everyone go get it. So, it's there. Uh, we're going to send it out to all the Kickstarter backers very cool. soon. And But it's available for anybody. If you like it, leave a nice review. Excellent. Um, cool. I'm done with that. Okay. All right. And I totally won't talk about it every week for the next several several weeks. No. Let me start with something we ended out with. We ended with last week, which is that I think when we left off, we talked about the CDC banning a certain number of words. Yeah, so that got clarified. It got clarified, yeah. So the story that I had heard is that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Mm -hmm. had, and this is based on a Washington Post article, they had banned a certain number of words from appearing in the documents they were preparing for their budget. Right. This is all paperwork that has to be approved by like White House officials, basically. Mm -hmm. And the list included vulnerable, entitlement, diversity, fetus, fetus, transgender, transgender, evidence-based, and, and science-based. science-based. Yeah, it's just a ridiculous list. And you're like, of course the Trump administration would not like evidence-based right. and transgender. Of course they wouldn't. And no wonder they had to not use those words. Mm-hmm. And that was the initial reaction. And certainly the Washington Post article that led to that said these were forbidden words Mm -hmm. in these documents for the CDC. Since then, and this is literally like a week ago, since then we've gotten some clarification on that, which is to say they're not banned. Mm -hmm. And the people who said you shouldn't use these words, they were not even the political appointees. The people who were passing this message along were actually the career politicians who are there forever. Uh They they are essentially nonpartisan. So why were they doing it? And this is what we heard from other people. My understanding was that they weren't saying that these words are banned, but they said, if you want to get funding, be mindful of using these words as the Trump White House, as is, will likely... Is less likely to approve anything that includes those words. Is that right? That's pretty much the idea. You still have to like get approval from the White House right. in this budget. So you may want to avoid transgender because you've if you include it, let's mm-hmm. say you're doing research on on some sort of disease that affects people and right. specifically in that community or something, you're not gonna get the funding for it if they say, Oh, this supports transgender people. No. Or even words like vulnerable. Like when you use words like vulnerable in a science context it's it's like it's not like animals that are vulnerable or the environment it's like this population is vulnerable to this disease or this malnutrition or whatever so it's that it's still that the white house is still anti-science and the fact that you have to tiptoe around them to get approval for the stuff suggests a couple things one is 
that they would be upset if you said evidence-based or science-based. I mean, upset, I feel like, isn't the right <laughs> word. I think just like... Reactionary. Yeah, well, just dismissive. Like, they're not going to give you the funding that you yeah. need. And it also suggests that they're stupid enough that they won't catch your euphemisms for all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a lot to fucking deal with. I um, <laughs> Today, I was doing... So, it's uh, Friday the 22nd. Happy birthday to my brother, Kevin. Hey. Um, he's 35, so that means he can run for president. Please. Yeah, he won't. He'd be terrible at it. Uh, At least he knows. (laughs) It's not going to stop him. Anyway, um, so I was doing some last minute Christmas shopping today, like a fool. And I was listening to uh, Sawbones. They talked about this exact podcast, uh, this exact topic. It's a podcast with uh, Dr. Sidney McElroy, her husband, Justin, who's like a comedian personality, and they discuss medical history. And so she discussed the the beginning of the C- uh, how the CDC was founded and got into this topic. And um, what she said, and I'm basing this off research that she's done, I trust her research in general, that while people are always careful about the language that they use, and that's nothing unusual, yeah. it is, from what you can find, unprecedented that they went to the extent of saying, like, here are red flag words, avoid them. And that's not... That's not typical. Yeah, it's not typical. It's not super great for science. No, it's not. So, like, the Washington Post article that started all this, it's, Mm -hmm. like, half right, half wrong. You can adjust the numbers as you will. They're right that people are saying you shouldn't use these words, but it's not because Trump said don't do it. It's because it's Trump room. officials, yes, it's reading the room. Which is. And the room is really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, correct. So there you go. <sighs> uh, let me go to this totally, I wasn't expecting this one, but okay. There's a lot of lawsuits that get filed over public displays of like nativity scenes, especially mm-hmm. when the government approves it oh, all. Oh, I remember this, the war on Christmas. Yes, it's the war on Christmas. And usually what atheists are saying is, we don't care if you have a nativity scene in front of the courthouse so much. I mean, we wish it wasn't there at all. Mm -hmm. But if you have it, you also have to allow other groups to put up displays. You can't just have a nativity scene. You can't just promote Christianity. Right. So along comes uh, this guy, Rene Salm. He is from uh, Oregon. He lives in Eugene, Oregon. I guess in Eugene, they have street banners. It's kind of like... Above the streets, you have these giant signs oh, yeah, hanging above. Yeah, you see it's, it everywhere. You don't see it around here, but yeah. Yeah, and so there are three of them specifically that the government allows you to purchase. You could say you could put up your own sign here. Mm-hmm. And one of them said, Christmas, and underneath it, attend a church of your choice, and Jesus, celebrate his birth. And so this guy sees it, and he's like, well, that's obviously pushing a Christian message. Mm-hmm. So he threatened... Uh, literally, I want to make sure I get this right. He said that I'm trying to find a lawyer who's interested in taking this on. I feel like I'm being assaulted, telling oh. me to go to church and celebrate Jesus. Ooh. Which, sure you are. Okay. Uh-huh. But look, the point is, if it's illegal, then it's illegal. We could talk about that. We could, ha- we could talk about a possible lawsuit or something. Oh, that's my computer. Hi, computer. <laughs> I was trying to look up a funny thing, and it played Christmas <laughs> music at me. So this guy sees this sign. He has this overblown reaction. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with where he's coming from. He's arguing that this is government promotion of Christianity. It's not. It's Be- not. It's not. Because the government made very clear, no, you could do this too. If you have a sign and you want to follow our guidelines and oh. pay the fee that like that we charge everybody, gotcha. you could put up whatever you want. In fact, I don't even like their policy. Their policy is like anything goes. And they literally said, well, 
it, during a city council meeting, they have this discussion. One counselor asked the attorney up for the city, would the city permit a banner for an event in support of the KKK? And the attorney was like, yes. So it's a bad policy. <sighs> like, anyone can put up a sign yeah. at the moment, assuming they follow all the other rules. Yeah. But the problem with this guy's threatened lawsuit is that it's not like he tried to put up an atheist banner and got banned. He just saw the Christian sign freak the hell out and raised a fuss about it, which is stupid. Yeah, sorry, Like, that's dude. not like, a problem. That's not a government problem. That's not... That's a you problem. Right, yeah. And, like, we're... As, and we're on your side. Yeah. I, ugh, it's the worst when you... Somebody who you fundamentally agree with says something dumb. Yes. Um. Yeah, no. And especially, like, I feel like these kinds of lawsuits, these sort of church-state separation with regard to nativities are ground that is to be tread lightly and delicately because we do come off as like nasty Grinches when we do it. And like, while I believe in the reason it's definitely not somewhere I want to like get overzealous with or like display any frivolity and like just throw around lawsuits because that's not, I mean, you shouldn't complain about it until you know, Oh, am I allowed to put up a thing? Is this a permit? Did I have to apply months ago? And I just missed the cutoff. What's the deal? Right. You've got to know how the rules are played before you say this is discrimination or a promotion of something. Uh, then we can have a conversation about whether they're doing something wrong, but as it stands, Mm -hmm. the policy is not discriminatory. Uh, it should be against like hate speech, but it's not even. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so okay, that was weird. Yeah, that is strange. What do you got? Um, let's see. So uh, let's start with Australian news. This is what I'd like to hear. <laughs> um, so there is a gentleman. No, uh, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole today with regard to <laughs> Australian politics, and I learned that I don't get it, and frankly, don't care that much. So there is a um, a gentleman named Scott Morrison who is a member of the Australian House of Representatives uh, since 2007. He's also the federal treasurer, and he's part of the Liberal Party of Australia. Okay. Here's the twisteroo, Hemet. Uh-huh. The Liberal Party of Australia is the Conservative Party of oh, Australia. God. It's the Labor Party that is the Liberal All Party, right. I think. <laughs> Keep and that's literally um, somebody, uh, Simon, his name is, like I posted something about how I was like very, very frustrated that they, Simon Hosking, who is on Facebook and I just ganked this from his feed. Um, he just like, it just doesn't make sense. He explained it to me in some words, but the paragraph got long and I lost it. So what's this guy doing? In oh the yeah, party? The, the important part of this. Um, so he said, and this is the Sydney Morning Herald Headline, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. Colin Morrison vows to defend Christianity in 2018. Yes, they are under attack. When I think of Christian persecution, I think Australia. So, <laughs> so here's the thing that I find really... okay. So What's this, he basing that on? Um, just observation. <laughs> just, just, you know. Because they just approved marriage <laughs> equality or something, therefore you got to bring Jesus back? Essentially, yeah. So um, he so he's one of the leading religious conservatives in uh, in the present government, um, and he wants to play a leading role next year in the quote debate about enshrining further protections for religious freedom and law. Okay, because one of the big issues now that marriage equality has passed mm-hmm. is what are they? What is Australia going to do about if 
you know, you go to a church and you want to get married, right. does a priest have to marry you? Right. And the answer in the U.S. anyway is no. Right. And if you want to get a wedding cake for your same-sex wedding, do you have does do they have to sell it to right. you? So okay, they're trying to fight for to make sure that stuff is happening. So, and and here's what I think is very interesting is some of the kind of discussion that he has that he's. It's, let me read the quote. So. Um, he declared that it, quote, it all starts when you allow li- religious freedoms to be eroded, mockery to be made of your faith or religious festivals. It always starts innocently, and it's always just a joke, just like most discrimination does. So he followed that up with, um, he's going to call it out. Um, he's, he's seen what he's seen the last year. He's taken the decision more recently that he's not going to put up with that anymore, and I don't think my colleagues will either. Um, Mockery's fine. Right. So what's wrong with that? First of all, <laughs> apparently they questioned if Mr. Morrison had, and I quote, this is the most Australian sentence I've ever heard in my fucking life. Does he have the leadership baton in his knapsack? <laughs> it's just So this took place at like government summer camp. Uh, well, yeah, so it's it, he is one <laughs> of the front runners to to run the conservative party in the future. But that's just a really excellent turn of that, phrase that I, I want to introduce it. to our listeners. Yes. Here's what I think is really interesting about this. And obviously, I disagree with him on fundamentally what's going on. But I kind of had this same, forgive the phrase, come to Jesus moment last year after the election that I was like, Okay, I'm going to start calling people on their bullshit, like, anti-feminist garbage and their sexist shit. And, like, you keep hearing it, and it's just pervasive, and it's just a joke. And, like, starting now, no more. I'm going to be that, like, buzzkill, wet blanket person who, like, calls people out on their sexist bullshit. And I feel like he's having that same moment himself of, like, he feels like Christianity is getting kicked around. And he has decided he's going to be the one. Now, the difference between him and me is that I have zero influence on zero laws. But you have actual examples of re- times people have been. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I not tell you that he had very concrete examples? Oh, what are his examples Ms. of Christian persecution? Um, Mr. Mor- uh, Morrison recently took the Greens Senator McKim. I don't know what the green. It doesn't matter to task for mocking Christmas after he and fellow. Oh, green. Oh, it's a party. Yeah, <laughs> I posted about that guy. Yeah, he. Uh, so Senator um, McKim and Peter. Wish Wilson, which is, wow, what a name, uh, posted an image on social media that stated, quote, Mary non-denominational... I'm going to take two on that one. Is that all right? Go for it. Mary non-denominational seasonal festivity, which is excellent. He posted that picture on Facebook, basically is a slap in the face to all the, you have to say Merry Christmas. And they're like, haha, we didn't. Just as a joke. And the funniest part about that is when all the trolls came onto his Facebook page, Uh and they're like, it's... You can't do that. You're offend. You're offending me. You're being uh, over the top. This is blasphemous or whatever. Uh-huh. He would re- just respond to everybody. He did Merry not. Christmas, Jessica. <laughs> no emoticon. Nothing. Just Merry Christmas. Oh, What's your name? Period. Geez. And he did that over and over. It was glorious. Uh, so heart. he's upset that a guy put up, you know, Merry non-denominational Christmas. So or I something, think it's between that and um, that's his example so, of Christian persecution. Well, yeah, that was the thing that tipped him off. He also said, "quote I'm always re- reluctant to talk about the religion issue," but in, in in truth, he, from what I could see in this article, he only has like made made one speech that involved his own okay. religion. So, so he doesn't get freaked. He, he's not one of those people who talks about this all the time, right? Um, he's reluctant to talk about religion. Blah, blah, blah. 
But when it is front and center in a debate like that of same-sex marriage, then obviously you can't avoid it. Again, same-sex marriage in the U.S. has not hurt any Christians. Mm. They are free to do... Have you talked to every Christian, Emmett? Yes, and that's why (laughs) I know this. Congratulations. Nothing has happened to them that has hurt them in any meaningful way, (laughs) other than their continued bigotry by some Christians just further alienates the other Christians. Mm -hmm. So nothing has happened. They have nothing to worry about in Australia. No, but he's like, you know, saber-rattling and all that fun stuff. Sure he Yeah, because he has nothing else to do because everything is fine. Yeah. Um, so all of my, oh, no, I have one more political one, and then yeah. I have, like, oh, one political one, a fem, two feminist ones, and a Christmas one. I like, go. Which one do you want? The, the last one. The Christmas one. So, okay, this is really a, a blip more than anything yeah. else. Um, I don't know if you saw this has happened December 11th, so it's been, you know, a week and okay. a half, but Ivanka Trump. Posted a picture of her and some other white women. I don't know who they are. And it just says, happy holidays. And God damn it, that's <laughs> fucking funny to me. <laughs> like, it's why just... Is, why is Ivanka Trump waging a war on Christmas? I don't know. It's just... <laughs> it was just a lot for me to handle. Anyway. The, I like it. Oh God, I have that... You know that, um, that plug-in on Chrome <laughs> That changes Donald Trump's tweets to like child scribbles. No, but I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have that just for still funsies. on. Yeah. Um, and it's funny until like I'm just reading this Fortune.com article and <laughs> it's like a Donald Trump tweet and it's written in like <laughs> child scrawl. Oh my god, I love that. And it's really off-putting when it's out of context. <laughs> anyway, that's my little. Um, I like that. Ivanka Trump jab. Do you have any other? Uh, since holiday? we're still. Uh, you talked about Florida. I'll talk about the the UK. Uh, whatever. Uh, the BBC has religious programming. It's a government run network, radio station, sure. TV, whatever. And they have a director of radio and education. They appointed a new guy to the job last month, mm-hmm. and he's also in that position in charge of their religious programming because okay. they do a lot of it. And you know they get criticized for being very Christian. Though, you know, occasionally they try to bring in other voices from mm-hmm. other religions. I've heard them bring on a humanist every now and then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen much. But in an interview, the guy who's now in charge, James Purnell, he said in an interview, they asked him, are you an atheist? Uh, it's literally, are you a religious man? Asked the host. And Purnell said, I'm not. Oh. And the host was like, isn't that a problem, though? You're the head of the BBC's religious programming. Blah, blah, blah. You're now doing part of this very busy job and you don't even believe which is a horrible argument to make why does it matter i don't care if he's muslim or christian or an atheist he has a job to do which is put out put out programming that people want to listen to with that people will learn something from be interested in you can do that as an atheist but also if you say okay i'm not like no matter who you have in that seat they're not going to believe in most of what they're right. saying, right? So if you have a Christian, Christian in the position, whoa, you can't. You don't know anything about other religions right. or so atheism. So I would argue that he probably has the most objective look into <laughs> religion. If anything, yeah. And right? you know what? When they've done surveys and they're like, who knows most about religions? Like the facts about oh, yeah, what people about believe, atheists score highest. Yeah. So it's like the, the problem isn't that the guy's an atheist. If right. you have criticism about what he's doing, let's hear it. Right. But the fact that he's an atheist, and this made so many headlines, mm-hmm. 
uh, about the fact that an atheist is running this religious programming, and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's totally irrelevant. Um, it's just, it's a non-thing. And Purnell said later on, those of us who work at the BBC have a wide range of views. Our core thing is to make great programs, to reflect what the audience wants us to do. Perfect. And make programs that serve that. I mean, people who run children's programs aren't children. Like, people can have (laughs) other opinions. One reader, uh, one reader, uh, on some UK website Mm -hmm. was quoted as saying, my cornflakes almost landed on the floor when I heard the head of the religious programs was openly boasting about being an atheist. Cornflakes landed on the floor. Oh my God, that is excellent. Yeah, so I got... There's a lot to break down. So his (laughs) cornflakes almost landed on the floor, which is... I guess that means he tipped the bowl. That's the most wholesome way somebody can show anger besides like dropping a teacup. (laughs) Because he was openly boasting. Which means he didn't even pour milk inside that bowl yet. If it's just the cornflakes on the floor. Like no, he must have been understand. halfway through putting his Oh yeah, together. like he was like pouring it in and just and threw it over what? his head like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> he added, it's the equivalent of putting an anarchist in charge of a prison. A prison, huh? <laughs> Which again, uh, I don't care if the anarchist is in charge of the prison as long as the j- he's doing the job right. of running the prison. Right. Just because you're an anarchist doesn't mean everyone gets to go free. Right. Like, that's a different issue. And it's not like Purnell is pushing atheism upon everybody. Right. There's no indication of that. So, stupid conflict that that's, has no real arguments. That's pretty funny and enjoyable, though. Yeah, it really is. Um. Okay. I didn't do that on purpose. Okay, Cupid. Uh (laughs) That's what I'm about to talk about. Um, So, Okay, Cupid every year releases um, a sort of study of sorts um, across their user base to find out what people see as a deal breaker, what's a must have, what isn't. Um, And apparently, uh, in 2017, Trump is, I think, the biggest dating deal breaker. Like if you support him or voted for him? Yes. So, um, so th- this survey uh, garnered 27,000 responses from OkCupid okay members in the U.S., okay. which is a lot, I feel <laughs> like. Um, and so uh, Mark thinks important. Anyway, Trump gets people riled up, and um, apparently uh, those are considered a major deal breaker for singles concerning, uh, considering potential matches. 74% of OkCupid okay Cub- Cub- okay respondents answered Hell no to the question, Trump. <laughs> Whereas, guess how many people said hell yes? Uh, ten? Four percent. Oh, wow. And then the softer answers are just no and yes. No still got 15 uh, percent of the answer. Yes got seven. So almost 90 percent of OkCupid users are anti-Trump. <laughs> I don't know why. I just find that really entertaining and funny. That n- makes sense. That- I mean... Oh, that super tracks. I mean, it tracks with with the age of people who use that. People who use OkCupid right. tend to be it urban, the probably. Demographics. Yeah, like it it all tracks, but it's also like overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I'm also wondering if there's more to it than just Trump, because odds are it's not that just that you support him; it's that you probably hold a lot of other views that are very strong and very yeah. No, um, I'm. Unpopular. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what we've, you and I have talked about this on this podcast of like, would you vote or would you vote? Would you date somebody who's Christian? Like, I don't know, probably, you know, if, yeah, probably. If they didn't hold such strong beliefs. Right, if it didn't interfere with our kind of day to day. But 
I don't feel as confident in 2017 that I would date a Republican because right. those... Oh, actually, I can segue into something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, good job, Jessica. Good nice, segue. Nice. So um, I'm going to get back to sort of that point. There was a uh, an article in The Atlantic that said Democratic men are more likely to be feminist than Republican women. Hmm. So, uh, and so this is extrapolated, or the numbers that they're using for this particular study are out of Alabama around the more, the, um, the vote that happened uh, last week. So it seems to these, uh, according to these numbers, your gender has less to do with whether you're feminist. Than your party affiliation. Than your party affiliation, huh. which I think not would track back to. Not either. Yeah, no, of course yeah. not. And that would track back down to what I was kind of talking about of like, Right now, being Republican isn't just oh, I want small government. It's I am fine. I'm there's a whole with host of other right, views that right. go along with being that. And, and that's what disturbing. I so what I thought was interesting, and I took notes, but it's literally like a page and a half worth because I don't know how to summarize things. Um, so there was a um, in September a study uh, by Leone, L E O N I E Leone. Okay. Leone Huddy and Joanna Willman of Stony Brook University. Stony Brook, I think, is where the Babysitter's Club takes place, but I don't think that's them. <laughs> um, so they presented a paper at the American Political Science Association. It's yet unpublished, unpublished, but the author of this piece in the Atlantic got a copy. So they uh, charted the effects of feminism on part- partisanship over time. And they found that between 2004 and 2016, the support for feminism grew increasingly correlated with the support for the Democratic Party. So in other words, there used to be kind of feminists on both sides of the of the aisle, so to speak. And now, if you're feminist, you're almost certainly a, a Democrat. So um, they one of the things they speculated is that um, one of the effect, one of the reasons for this was Hillary Clinton. So it was a liberal woman's emergence as a serious pre- uh, presidential contender in 2008, and then her party's nominee eight years later, and it drove feminists of both genders toward the Democratic Party, and, and I think this is more important, anti-feminists of both gen- genders toward the GOP. They can have them. Yeah. No, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, and, and they compare what Clinton did to what Barack Obama did with inter- uh, in regard to race. They said um, Obama's election, uh, this is Michael Tesler, um, who's a UCLA political scientist. He, um, he said that Obama's election pushed whites who exhibited more racial resentment into the Republican Party and whites who exhibited less into the Democratic Party. And I guess... I guess I've had that cause and effect kind of messed up in my mind, right? Like, I don't know. Like, it didn't occur to me that... You thought they would have floated to those parties because their views were already in place? Yes. It didn't, like, I guess... I guess maybe I was too (laughs) optimistic about humanity to think that somebody would leave the Democratic Party because they were racist or more currently leave the Democratic Party because they're anti-feminist or anti-woman. Um, which obviously makes sense. It's just not something that occurred. I guess I just just like GOP has always been the anti-woman racist party. Yeah, which it's obviously surprising isn't that it's a new thing. Yeah, like this th- could have happened a long time ago too. Right. But yeah, when you nominate someone who holds those views and mm-hmm. support someone who holds those views, it's not surprising they're like, all right, this is the party that's going to act on this right. stuff. Right. And I have no chance getting my views heard by this party. Mm-hmm. 
makes sense. Um, so earlier this month, um, a research firm, uh, Perry Undom, found that Democratic men were 25 points more likely than Republican women to say sexism remains a big or somewhat big problem, which is disheartening. Surprise me, and yes. What a fucking bummer. Um, Pew Research Center said Democratic men were 31 uh, points more likely than Republican women to say, quote, the country has not gone far enough in women's rights. Um, a year ago, a year ago, Democratic men were more likely than Republican women, were 30 points more likely than Republican women to strongly agree that the country would be better off if we had more women in office. That gap has widened to 45 points. Oh, wow. So... I think this really speaks a lot to internalized misogyny that I don't think we talk about a ton on mm-hmm. this program, but I, I think there's a sort of misconception um, of if you are a woman, you can't be a misogynist. Um, when the real no, the GOP is full of women who support anti-women policies. Exactly, they um, would shut down Planned Parenthood if it meant a tax cut. Yes, like absolutely. That. Or you know because they anyway I. Um, I think internalized misogyny is something that we're going to have to come to terms with pretty soon um, because they're sort of predicting a uh, backlash against this. Um, the, 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 the What's that? The Me Too movement. Oh, yeah. Thank you. The um, Yeah. So they think that it will be led by anti-feminist women because anti-feminist women can't be labeled as labeled sexist as easily as anti-feminist men, which. I read somewhere there was like an anti there was a a woman part of the Mm alt-right who tweeted something like she's quitting like Breitbart or something because they were being sexist or they held these views. Yeah. It's like, how did you not know that? Yeah, there's been a few few articles like that that, you know, the headlines are basically like conservative women are surprised when conservative men treat them like garbage because that's what they've told us they think we are. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I think internalized misogyny is something that we're going to sort of have to reckon with because... I mean, even I, I've had this. I just um, spent uh, the evening with my friend Anne, who's been uh, a guest host on this podcast, and we were talking a lot about sort of the the remnants of gender norms that exist in our relatively progressive households. But it's still stuff you see every time. Like the women are always the one who bake and bring food and do the dishes and clean up and do this, do that. And it's one of those like I don't know. I feel like in all other things, my family is pretty like sexually progressive oh, that was a <laughs> god damn it oh yay, yay. not deleting pre- that god damn it we're pretty progressive in terms of gender roles right but like yeah like you still see these things time and time again and it's just so deeply ingrained in in women that we are supposed to be doing these certain things and so when women aren't the ones who are staying at home or are being too outspoken it rubs many women the wrong way just the same as it rubs many men the wrong way. So I'd love to hear from listeners if any of you who are single and are like, yeah, no, I would have no problem dating a Trump voter. Who are you? Tell us who you are. How does that work in your head? I think they're going to start a fake Twitter account and fuck with us. Oh, that could happen. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I just think that's sort of an interesting thing that's going on. Here's another uh, story that was in the news for a couple of days this week. Uh And it's it involves a Milwaukee Catholic priest, uh, Gregory Greiton, who told his congregation last weekend he basically came out as gay in front of his congregation. Huh. And he basically said, here's why I waited this long to come out. I was afraid. 
uh, not just personally, he felt comfortable yeah. being gay, but just in his job, that's, that sure. might be weird. And so he told them, you know, I'm Greg, I'm a Roman Catholic priest, priest, and yes, I am gay. And he got a standing ovation from the congregation. Oh, that's which nice. Which sounds wonderful. Oh, God. It, there's nothing wrong. There, oh, okay. It doesn't go anywhere <laughs> you beyond that. You that a little bit Sorry. too much. It it's, sounds wonderful. He doesn't sound like a bad guy or anything. But here's, here's where my reaction to that. I'm like, I get why they gave him a standing ovation. I'm glad to hear they support him. My issue is that the, here's what this means for this guy. He now belongs to a church that thinks if he acts on his, uh, on his homosexuality or something, right. uh, has a boyfriend ever. I know they're Catholic priests. They can't even date even if they were straight. But if he were uh, to have a partner... Mm-hmm. They would consider that deeply immoral. Uh, he has to be celibate. Granted, he's a priest. He would he have to, to anyway. anyway. Um, so it would apply even if he was straight. But they, he would not be allowed under the Catholic Church's rules mm-hmm. to have sex. Like, it's just, he's openly gay, which is wonderful. I hope he can change the church for the better. Yeah. But as it stands, he is still part of an organization that treats people like him like garbage. And yes, he's a priest. That's a unique case. But if you're a gay Catholic who goes to church, right. you cannot I, have a boyfriend. You yes. cannot have sex. You're not supposed to anyway. Under their rules. I think my... It is considered intrinsically disordered to have homosexual acts, cool. according to the catechism. Chill as usual, Catholic yeah. Church. Um, I think the thing that leaves the worst taste in my mouth about this is that he got a standing ovation for, for coming out, which like... Great for them and great that they had that moment, but it just is super insincere and hypocritical to me of, oh, this guy's so... Like, because presumably, what, the the uh, standing ovation, oh, you're so brave, oh, we I still support so. you. Yeah. Oh, like, that's what all of that would imply if somebody comes out and you give them whatever version of standing ovation you can is you're supported and you're loved and we love you for who, for who you are. But... They don't like they're but everything else they do says that no, like you can't do that, and that's immoral. And I don't know, I don't just because he has to be celibate because he's a priest, right? I want to know from the congregation, I get why you support the priest. How do you support the church? I mean, it it completely reeks of like. Uh, I have one black friend. You're one of the good ones. We like you. Yeah, like, something like that. Or the or every fucking Republican Congress who hates gay people until they have a gay kid, and all of a sudden <laughs> they're like, "Oh, did you know gay people aren't made of poison? Right. Who would have known? One, like, it's just one of those things that like nothing affects them until it affects them personally. Yeah. And maybe that's a good thing. I hope it does because then maybe they could say, "I don't want to be part of a church that treats gay people this maybe, way." But Here's like, the question I'd love gonna, to know: What are we going to introduce them to every gay person? and be like, see, yeah. most of the gay people are really nice and cool. Like, <laughs> sure, there's some assholes, but they're more asshole Catholics, I bet. <laughs> so here's a question to ask this reverend, though. Yeah. And this is uh, one of the commenters on my site pointed this out. What's he going to do when someone in his congregation comes out to him as gay? Hmm. Because they don't have the uh, celibacy mandate sure. that priests do. They don't have the you have to be alone forever that priests do. What's he going to tell that kid <sighs> yeah, who comes out to, to him as gay? It, right? Is he going to say, well, I, I support you being gay, but you're not allowed to have a boyfriend and you can't ever, ever have sex. Have sex with the person to whom you're attracted. Right. 
Like, is that what he's going to say to these kids? I mean, that's, that's the conflict of interest that's the I'd comf- love to know about. That's two on the company line, right? Like, what else could he say? Right. And so that really will be the test. So all the articles focused on the reaction, him coming out and the reaction and he got. And that is nice. That's which is very nice. nice. But the real question is, how is he going to handle this issue moving forward? Because he's obviously not the only gay priest. Right. But if he's going to go public about it, which is great, I feel like these are fair questions to Mm -hmm. ask this guy to any reporter who's going to talk to him. And I mean, I don't know. I don't think... Some people called it, he's in bed with the enemy by being openly gay in the Catholic Church. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I, I mean, but that's always the argument there of like if you don't agree with x about this community that you're part of whether it's religion or whether it's science or whether it's whatever you're a democrat who doesn't like this one policy thing that's a big so do you do you do you throw the baby with the bathwater? do you flip the table and say fuck it i thought about that and i don't know that it's i don't know that it's an entirely fair analogy only because there's a difference between, oh, this group I belong to holds a position that I don't agree with mm-hmm. versus this group I belong to thinks people like me specifically are, you know, disordered. They yeah, think I point. have some sort of mental illness because I'm gay. There's a big difference in that. Yeah, you're right. Because at least with the policy issues, we could debate them. I could argue and make my point mm-hmm. as to why we need to change it. This is, in theory unchangeable that's canonical so so then i guess what's the point of staying well i guess they're gonna accept him if because he because uh, he's gay and celibate and forever alone so they're fine with him he's not one of the threatening ones to the church but which it's so funny because to me i i would feel like that would be something the church would hate to have because that then all of a sudden you have a sympathetic ear in the pulpit yeah is that where they are but again, the church has been pretty clear. Even Pope Francis himself has said, like, who am I to judge? I don't care if you're gay or whatever. But that's only because the rules prohibit you from acting on right. your homosexuality. So it's, there's a big difference. Don't get, like, the church doesn't deserve credit for merely being tolerant of gay people. Mm-hmm. They should only get credit when they really accept them and treat them that way, yeah. and they don't. For a long time, tolerance was what we were sort of aiming for, but like to say, like, Hemet, I tolerate your existence right. is literally, I'm not going to willfully try to exterminate you personally, <laughs> but I don't have to fucking like you. Like, it, right. tolerance is such a low bar to clear. Especially today, and especially, especially for the church. Today. Like, yeah, you should be able to do better than that, and they don't, which segues perfectly into this story. <laughs> Guess who's dead? Oh. Uh, oh, God. How did I miss this one? Yeah, Cardinal Law, Law, Cardinal Bernard Law, who was known during the child abuse scandal that the Boston Globe did with Spotlight and all that the movie was about, mm-hmm. that whole child abuse scandal. Cardinal Bernard Law wasn't the guy who molested children, but he was the guy who knew which priests were doing it. And he just moved them around to different churches. Yeah. He covered it up as much as possible. He's he was the reason great. this was such a scandal because when people would come to the church and say this is happening, his response was not to get rid of those priests and speak mm-hmm. out against it. It was to hide, hide what was going on and move those priests elsewhere where they were just exposed to more kids. So this is the guy who died. Pope Francis spoke at his funeral. Oh, really? He didn't. He didn't like 
say this is the greatest man who ever <laughs> lived. Did such a good job of protecting yeah. pedophiles. He didn't do that, but he showed up, and like that's symbolic in and of itself. Did you see the Onion uh, headline on Wednesday? What was that? Cardinal law canonized following miracle of escaping com- pr- criminal persecution. Prosecution. <laughs> oh, man, yep. I can never get persecution and prosecution right. Why did they make those words so similar? I. I it feels I like a personal. Blame somebody. Okay. So, yeah. so I didn't so, feel, I mean, it's one of those things you don't want to make fun. You don't celebrate <laughs> someone's death, but you do want to acknowledge this person made so many people's lives worse. Yes. This person ruined their lives because the sort of things they experienced haunted them through adulthood, their their childhood, adulthood. Um, I as, mean, I would put him in a similar category to Fred Phelps of this uh-huh. guy did... Like obviously, though Fred not- Phelps was probably even better because all he did was scream from like his little bubble. Yeah, it's not this guy like had power. this guy had power. Yeah, and he used it, and he used it to let kid- more kids be abused. Uh, there's a group called Survivors Network of those abused by priests. Snap. Um, this group has been around for a while, and her the director's reaction to his death was pretty blunt. I don't think there's going to be any great sadness. That's it. Yeah, and that's fine. And like. Yeah, later, like, you, I'm I'm fine that you're gone. I don't wish death upon anybody, but, like, okay, bye. Yeah. See you never. Um, and I hope other priests, I hope other archbishops see that, and they're like, wow, he, for all he may have done for the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, and I did see this criticism, like, man, people are only... <laughs> only listing this one thing, horrible thing that he, it's like people talking about Joe Paterno and yeah. the rape scandal and stuff. It's like, why do they keep mentioning that? Because that's the only important well, thing. How come nobody talks about OJ Simpson's illustrious football and acting <laughs> career anymore? Right. It's like the one bad thing he did marred everything. <laughs> like, yeah, bro, that's how shit works in yeah. the world. I hope they realize that, and I hope they're like, oh, like no one's going to be on my side here yeah. to the point where even the church isn't going to have my back. So there's no reason to do the cover-up. There's no reason to protect the priests who do this sort of thing. So whatever. Mm. Goodbye. Nah. I don't... What uh, else you got? Um, the only thing I have left is... Um, <laughs> As one commenter said, I almost wish there was a hell so I knew <laughs> that guy would go there. <laughs> um, that uh, Merriam-Webster named feminism as the 2017 word of the year. Um, the term generated 70% more searches than last year. Um, spi- it spiked after the Women's March. It spiked after Kellyanne Conway told the, conserv- the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference that it was hard for her to call herself anti-feminist because, quote, it seemed to be very anti-male and very pro-abortion. Um, <laughs> then there was The Handmaid's Tale came out, Wonder Woman came out, Me Too movement happened. Um, it's a very interesting... Uh, year for that word. Another top word of the year is dictionary.com's complicit. I like it. So I don't know where they got that one from. Yeah. It seems pretty. Anyway, nice. so I think that's cool. Like, because looking up feminism isn't necessarily like it's just people were interested in what it meant and looking it up for themselves, which is good because is the alternative good. is taking Kelly someone Con- else's yeah, definition for version it. of it. Um, and Another that, shitty year comes to an end. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> it's not quite over because we still have to do our year-end recap. We do. Um, I slated some time with my friend Kate, who helped me with the spreadsheet okay. last year. So I'm going to have it ready for next Friday. All right. Assuming we're recording next Friday. Sure we are. 
Um, yeah, it's the 29th, I think. So perfect. It'll come out on Done. New Year's Eve or something. That's when everyone will listen. Don't yeah. go to parties. <laughs> Don't just sit quietly in your basement and listen to our dumb podcast. That's what I do. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else for today? No, I'm good. Let's go cool. home. What do you have to <laughs> for um, Christmas? Uh, family, family, lots of family cool. stuff. All good. Me too. More family stuff. Yeah. Um, my happy thing of the week, since you did not ask. You What's your happy rude, thing of the week? rude asshole. Um, <laughs> so my happy thing of the week is, uh, I just bought the ingredients for an old family recipe. An old family recipe my mom has made forever. My grandmother made it before her. Um, and it's my Italian side of the family. Now I did some research on this actually, because we've always called it bucciolati in my, in my house. And it's bread and onions and sausage. And it's like wrapped up and baked. It's delicious. I right. cannot recommend it enough. My family also, I think, has made up a lot of Italian terms that they told me growing up. Because, like, they always told me Ghoulie was another was the Italian word for butt. Met an Italian <laughs> guy, asked him. He said, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> you crazy American. Similarly, bucciolati apparently is some sort of, like, Italian cookie. Okay. So I don't know if this exists anywhere outside, like, the Angolia side of my family. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So you're going to eat food that no one knows if it's an actual food? Well, it's, I mean, it, Hemant, it's definitely a food. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right here. It's an actual food, but it's the easiest thing. If anybody wants to make it, everybody fucking loves it. You um, uh, saute like three pounds of onions and get three rolls of like pizza dough and then put the onions and a pound of raw Italian sausage between the three things, roll them up, bake them at like 350 for however long the package says. It's so delicious. It is the first thing my in-laws liked about me that I brought this <laughs> delicious bread to their family thing. I will take your word thing. on all of this. Oh yeah, you don't eat sausage. No. Uh, Hammett Orr, when we find you on the Twitter, was this a short episode? Eh, they're all long. <laughs> they're all like <laughs> prohibitively long. I'm at Hammett Meta <laughs> I'm on at, the Twitters. I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E, B-U-R-I-E, um, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. I'm still fucking swamped, so... Good. I Yay. thought it would die down after Christmas, and I'm grateful for the money, but I'm also very tired. That's all right. You're sitting in your dungeon on New Year's Eve listening to the podcast, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I have to listen to my own podcast. That's my, <laughs> that's my penance for the year. Um, anything else that we have now, going on? If you have any stories you want us to cover for the year in review, you should let us know oh, in the next yeah, few days. Oh, yeah, please do. Um, uh, friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Oh, we don't have a specific Facebook page, nah, do we? Just Google us. Yeah. Find us. Okay, cool. Thanks, this everyone. This is a really high-energy ending. Bye. Bye. <laughs>